0: May twelfth, and you're back on another edition of Techie Politics Weekly. Your host Trey Watson, happy to be joined, fresh off of her uh, first year as a grad school student. Our uh, our good friend, former co-host uh, Stephanie Steiser Holscher. Stephanie, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing excellent, thank you.
0: Uh, I by the way, did not put on the rundown, but I do want to talk about it and let you kind of let you air air your thoughts at the, at the end on uh, what it's like being. a uh, you know, we'll we'll be nice being a young professional age. We won't say middle age, young, profes- <laughs> young, professional age, but, but but with young kids and going on this journey that you're on in grad school. Uh, kind of I am getting-
1: old enough to be the mother of every single one of my classes.
0: <laughs> we'll talk about the end. Kind of get, get kind of get your thoughts on, on what what this past year was like for you. Uh, but uh, a ton going on in the news. You know, last time we we did a podcast was uh, with. Gene McLean, uh, last week before, uh, before the Derby uh, is on Monday. So I think, God, I think like, I mean, pretty much right after I finished doing the podcast that night, I believe the, uh, the Roe v. Wade stuff broke. Um, so, you know, let's start there, Stephanie. Uh, you know, we were talking about for the show. I, I don't know, you know, I, I haven't done a podcast since then, but I, this is a, supposed to be Kentucky centric, but kind of overall conversation podcast, but guys, I don't know what can be added to the overall zeitgeist on this. Uh, but you know, this is something where people, for whatever reason, tune in to hear me rant and rave and ramble about crap. So uh, I'll I'll let you go first because I know you've got thoughts, and then I'll yeah. I'll, I'll kind of give a few over overall thoughts. Yeah, I
1: mean, I think Kentucky is very much going to be at uh, the center of this. We've got a very um, aggressive um, trigger law. And, you know, the law is interesting uh, because it basically, it defines um, life at fertilization. Um, and, but then it goes on to say that, uh, you know, none of, nothing in the law should be construed to suggest that, uh, you know, doctors can't take steps to save the lives of, of, of mothers. Um, so there's a lot of questions I have about this trigger law. And I mean, frankly, there's there are things in this law that are contradictory and I should have had this pulled up. Um, it basically, th- so my, my th- the crux of my concern is I have big concerns as to what's gonna happen in a post row world as it relates to birth control, specifically IUDs, as it relates to plan B, Uh, which is um, something, you know, we don't really hear about that much anymore. I mean, we heard about it a lot years ago when it came on the stage. For anybody who doesn't remember, Plan B is the, you know, the morning after pill. Um, And it's something that is, um, you know, heavily utilized in the, you know, domestic and sexual violence um, arenas. When um, women are raped, sexually assaulted, coerced against their will by a spouse, Uh, and, um, you know, there's a lot of questions in this state and in other states as to what is going to happen in a post-road world. Um, because let me break it down for those who don't quite understand and remember, uh, like certain types of birth control, like IUDs, um, they don't prevent fertilization. They prevent implantation. They make for a, uh, a hostile uh, environment in the womb. They thin the lining, those sorts of things. And um, but the egg has already been fertilized. And so that's why you hear this talk about birth control. And and there's you hear people saying, oh, they're not really going to take away birth control. And I want to remind people that there are certain religions. Um, including a lot of Catholics who do not believe in birth control. They do very much believe that life begins at conception. Um, we've, we've seen this, you know, I, I was a reporter 20 years ago in Northern Kentucky when uh, former state rep uh, Adia Wushner, who was on the Northern Kentucky Kentucky um, uh, Health Department board, and her and some others in the Northern Kentucky Right to Life organization worked really hard to uh, to not uh, allow um, birth control to be disseminated uh, through the health department. Um, this is not new, and it shouldn't. It doesn't come as a surprise to some of us who've been watching this space for a few decades. Um, so I have concerns about that. I mean, like I said, the, the plan B, I mean, the the abortion stuff in general, I mean, it's all, as you know, as many listeners remember, I, uh, you know, have experience working in the um, sexual assault, you know, prevention advocacy space in Kentucky. I uh, was instrumental working on the um, rape kit Um uh, audit that we did, the special report that counted rape kits, untested rape kits in Kentucky when I was uh, in Adam Elin's office as auditor. I went in as uh, after we left office and consulted with KSAP. Um, you know, this, this really affects not just the abortion part of it, but the, the potential to lose access to Plan B. Uh, and Plan B works by, um, you know, after the fact, the egg has already been fertilized. Um, I'm very concerned about that. I'm very concerned about the nuances of how this plays out, right? And we've already seen it played out this way. We've already seen in Texas, for example, uh, a woman who was charged and the charges were you know, quickly dropped. Uh, she was accused of self-induced abortion. You've got this crazy issue that you, I know you've tweeted about, Trey, on the ectopic pregnancies, which- yeah. You know, Some people just frankly do not understand. And I will say I personally had one. I didn't know what it was. Um, I was excited. We were trying to conceive. And um, our doctor said, I need you to come in for a um, ultrasound. I thought, I thought it's too early to do that. He said, well, because of your troubles um, conceiving, I want to take an early look. And sure enough, um, his concerns were confirmed. I was sent over to St. Joe East, which is a Catholic affiliated hospital and was immediately administered methotrexate. Um, there's already been a case in Texas, South Texas of a woman who was uh, the emergency room, didn't know how to handle this. They were worried about getting in trouble by uh, you know, prescribing her a cancer chemo type agent that basically kills the, um, the ectopic for those who don't know ectopic pregnancy it's when the um a implants inside the fallopian tube it's not viable it will never be viable i wish we had the technology to you know remove it and put it where it's supposed to be but we don't and if left unattended it uh, can kill uh the mother it's one of the it's still one of the leading causes of maternal deaths in this country so um There was already a case in Texas where the the, the hospital wouldn't they were too afraid to prescribe the methotrexate and they told her to go to New Mexico to get it. I mean, this thing could have ruptured and killed her while she was driving. These things are not far away. Like, oh, this might happen. Right. Well,
0: you know, let let me let me say this. You know, I I think in a in a good world, (laughs) I think that this I think the Roe v. Wade being overturned actually does would could present an opportunity and that the the world that the structure that v. Wade set up was so nebulous and undefined that it just created chaos out, out with different States having different regulation. It's a fight every election over who can do what and what can be done where and, and, and just, it just, it, it, you know, it's a mess because there was no guardrails on the, on the situation other than to say it's legal. And then, you know be able to what point can you regulate it what point can you there's just you know there's no no rails there I feel like when you look at the polling uh, I think a total ban on abortion polls at like 30 something percent uh, having zero restrictions on abortion polls at 16 percent so clearly most of America is in the middle I think most of America is where the parties used to be which is Republic Republicans were, only for rape incest to health the health of the mother and democrats were r- safe but rare somehow the republicans have gone to and i don't think anybody actually believes this but it's something that they say and it's stupid republicans believe no abortions under any circumstances even for medical purposes and democrats believe there should be no restrictions whatsoever even if you're 8 months and and, and on the way to the hospital to give birth you can still have it now they don't say that, but that's what the laws that they're proposing say. And Republicans, I don't think mean that, you know, you're going to be punished for having for, for having a, a, a top of pregnancy or for. Well, I
1: very much think but, some Republicans do believe that. Well, and
0: I, and I do think there are some Democrats who think that they're you, know, you should be. But that's ninety nine percent of all people don't believe either of those two things. But they still say them. like there was those multiple times where. The problem you, is,
1: there's only one side. One of those sides is actually possesses real political power
0: well but uh, but i think that the majority of voting republicans don't support that crazy ass position that i think mo- most most republicans i believe still support the 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 exceptions and you know my hope is that if if they do and remember we're this is still all hypothetical this is this is a draft a draft decision we don't know what's actually going to Right. It's actually going to come down. You know, I, I people, some justices like Kavanaugh have have expressed a lot of concern about uh about a flat overturn of, of Roe v Way because of its impact on other pieces of, uh, of law. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that there's an opportunity where we get the guardrails off completely and we can maybe kind of reset and get some more sensical things in there. And I'll say this, I think this is the only issue out there that I can think of, that the Supreme Court is just uniquely incapable of dealing with because you're not just talking about issues of law. You're talking about issues of theology, issues of philosophy, issues of medicine. You know, it's this is not just talking about you know, the impact of the Constitution on the legal system. It, it's a philosophical debate about when life begins. It's a debate it's about only a, it's, it's
1: only a debate for some religions, not even all religions. No, but
0: but but, uh, but my point is, is, is it's it's not settled anywhere on it. And it, it's it's such a it's such a an issue that draws from so many different parts of of thought that I, I just, I, I've i always felt this is the one issue that that the legal system is uniquely, incapable of dealing with because of your, you know, you, you're, you're to a point asking justices to play theologian and philosopher. And like, that's not what they're there for. And it, it's, it's, it's a hard issue. Um, So, you know, in a perfect world, we could, we could actually create something better. Was that actually going to happen? Probably not, <laughs> but, no, we're but gonna, you know, it's, it's, there,
1: there's going to be huge, huge. I, first of all, I believe that it's, it might as well be a done deal. I mean, there's just no way they're going to go this far and, and stop. Well, I, I, I and honestly then, think,
0: I don't know, you know, it's, it's, the, who, was it a conservative who leaked it because they wanted to lock it in? Or was it a liberal who leaked it so people could protest and stop? I don't know. Um, I, I do think it's probably going to have the effect of locking opinion in and not making yeah. it look like they got pressured by public opinion. So, um,
1: the other, the other thing I want to touch on real quickly is the IVF issue. Um, you know, uh, as, as many people know, I had uh, my first child via IVF, um, and that is something that is very much, there's some um, great pieces in the Washington Post and CNN, um, and this guy that popped onto my radar a few weeks ago. Uh, again, IVF is going to be in jeopardy in a lot of these states uh, if Roe is overturned, because, um, you know, the way the IVF process it works... Um, uh, Many eggs are um, produced, and they don't all survive. Um, there's questions of whether uh, genetic testing will be done um, for some women who, um, you know, there's concerns about you know babies coming from these uh, from these embryos that will have severe uh, developmental disabilities. Um, genetic testing is used to screen those eggs out. I mean, basically under an IVF world, under these conservatives notions, I guess IVF would be possibly still viable as long as the the mother was forced to then um, put every one of those eggs back into her body. Um, And some conservatives do it right when you have so we had an option we had choices when we uh had we we had our baby then we had another surprise baby without IVF we had like four eggs still frozen or embryos still frozen um we had to make some decisions or we could keep paying i called it the egg rent you pay <laughs> a yearly fee to keep them in case you want to continue to grow your family You can donate those um, embryos. Um, That is uh, much, much more difficult than people realize it is logistically. There's expenses involved with that. You can donate them to research. There wasn't any research available at the time. And uh, by the way, that's something uh, I am certain will end uh, in a post row world. And you can um, elect to destroy the embryos and um that is something that will be taken off the table so uh, yeah there's a lot of concern among ivf um physicians I,
0: about I, the future of I, the- I i think you know that's, that's something to touch because there's a lot of news to get to I, you know i i do want to just end it saying that i my hope is that i think both sides need to realize that the majority of this country is not where they're directing their rhetoric and, and i and i think the majority of the parties aren't either you know uh, Raphael Warnock, um, um, Blumenthal, you know, a bunch of senators were given the opportunity last week to add, just flat ask the question: Should there be any any time that there's any restrictions on abortion? A sensible, sensible, normal person would say, "Well, of course there's, you know, there, there, yeah, there's obviously times that there that it would not be appropriate." And, but the refusal for Democrats to say to say that is this is as disturbing to me as my side saying, "No, there should never be any abortions ever," including like when a doctor needs it to save the life. Uh, No, they're both as stupid positions. And my hope is that, you know, that that I think there is an opportunity to to build better policies around abortion by removing Roe v. Wade from the situation and being able to to start with a new slate and and build around it. I'm not hopeful that that is no. going to happen, but I, I think
1: we're a long I, way from that.
0: It's there, but it's 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 going to get even worse if both parties can't get off this ridiculous kowtowing to the furthest of far wings of, of the parties and wake up and realize 80 percent of the country is in the middle. And mm-hmm. you're you're placating the five or 10 percent on the, the that are to your sides Just ignore those people. Come back to the middle. The water's fine. The rest, you know, the rest of us will be waiting on you there. Mm-hmm. um let's get on to, to the rest of the news uh like we had gene mclean on last week talked about the derby and uh uh i was watching with stephanie huge upset uh the biggest upset since 1913
1: trey was uh, very upset i was himself. very upset
0: uh <laughs> uh rich strike was the winner Um, uh, i mean you, you just there was literally nothing there was no reason for any, like. A lot of times a a big upset winner wins, you can be like, okay, like I can at least see, you know, in his past performances, I, you know, all right. You know, I couldn't have done it beforehand, but in retrospect, I can make a case. Like you still can't look at his past performances and make a case. It was just miraculous, a perfect ride, a perfect situation. It was a fast pace and everybody died off and, and Sonny Leon just had a a perfect ride to, to weave up to the crowd. Um, news breaking in the last hour, Stephanie, the rich strike is going to be skipping the preakness. Yep. Um, you know, they said he's that he has never, uh, he has never ridden a, uh, a, never ridden a race within five weeks of, of a previous race. And they just, you know, they don't want to put that sort of strain on the horse. So, uh, you know, it'll be, uh, it will be interesting to see where that horse goes, but I think that that, that now puts, uh, probably, the uh, uh, the Philly, uh, who won the Oaks, uh, the secret oath into the spotlight, uh, that, th- that horse, and also the appropriately timed Stephanie early voting, a, a Chad Brown <laughs> horse. Those, those will probably, if I had to guess, those will probably be the two favorites in the Preakness when the, when it comes out, Chad, Chad Brown skipped, uh, skipped the the derby with, uh, early voting to specifically point it to the Preakness. So I, if I had to guess those will probably end up being the two favorites. Uh, but it was a great race to watch. Very exciting. Still very mad. I should have made a lot of money in the race. I did not, but <laughs> is what it is. One uh, of our
1: friends, a couple of our friends, Dean and Blanca, they had money on. Yeah,
0: um, I mean, anybody yeah. who won money on that on that on that horse was like women voting for it because they felt bad because no one Or uh, betting on because women felt, felt bad because <laughs> no one was no one was was betting on him or people who just were taking the long shot. There was no there was no lo- logical like sensible reason to to have bet on it, but. <laughs> Yeah, there we are. Uh, uh, big political news this week. Daniel Cameron has declared his candidacy for for uh, for governor. Had a rollout video, and I, I'm actually a little jealous and a little mad at myself that I did not uh, come up with the "Team Kentucky needs a new coach" line. I thought that was a uh, I thought I thought that was a good one in, in his in his video. Uh, yeah, I think Daniel. Uh, I think he's clearly got his kind of lane that he's going to be in. Uh, you know, the beginning of the video, walking down the steps of the of in uh, front of Lincoln's boyhood home. Uh, you know, I think he's clearly gonna portray himself as is, you know more of a nationalized kind of pseudo celebrity candidate um, and try to bring in a lot of national money and, and, and national momentum to get him through. It's gonna be interesting because he's gonna run it's it's pretty rare that you're gonna see two candidates run so different of races because Daniel's gonna run a very nationalized uh, personality driven, uh, campaign and then you've got uh, Ryan Quarles is is going to run a very grassroots Kentucky you know more traditional uh, go get your magistrates and commissioners to endorse you type uh, uh, governor's race It's it, they're going to be running two very different campaigns it's going to be interesting to, to watch how how those two uh, campaigns meld together in, in reaction to Cameron getting in um, there's a whole uh, bevy of uh, of a uh, uh, accusations attacks being being lodged uh kdp had a uh do we even have to
1: talk about how stupid that is like can we just skip that
0: well here i don't know if you saw my, my tweet back at austin horn you know they had a press conference with coleman elridge uh a friend of the show KDP p uh who was uh uh filing ethics complaints against uh daniel cameron for uh for investigating andy Bashir, which of course you know andy ah. Bashir definitely didn't endure didn't investigate no, uh but anyway they had a press conference with with poor coleman out in a suit in like 85 degree weather standing behind a podium and they got these giant blown up uh, uh copies just, of, just of the ethics. Stop! This i
1: said is wasting time and I, and I said i,
0: I, said, I said, i've fought a lot of ethics complaints i've never i've never felt the need to blow one up in a massive massive so,
1: uh, just just stop i, uh, I don't want really to get in trouble with my own people here but i
0: you know it's
1: Nobody cares about ethics complaints and the no. Second Ridge Ethics Commission never actually does anything Do you, with you know me. how many
0: ethics complaints I've filed? Good God.
1: Nobody Whoops. cares. Move on. Find so else.
0: <laughs> the, the attacks have begun. Um, uh, I'm a cut-
1: curious, Trey. I don't know what insight you have or what you're willing to say about it. You know, obviously, Daniel Cameron, um, you know, has a close relationship with Senator McConnell. I'm kind of curious if you have any thoughts about you know how that may play a role in this um primary
0: i think you know i think the leader's close with commissioner quarles as well so uh i i, I don't foresee him getting involved at this moment
1: what you about know, like that might change you know, what about like damon thayer another you know republican leadership are they just gonna sit this out
0: um i <sighs> I, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, Damon, I, I could, I couldn't see a world in which Damon wouldn't be out stumping for Ryan. Um, however, you know, I, there's a difference between being for somebody and being against somebody. You know, I think that's what you'll, you'll see more. And I think it'll be a relatively cleanly run campaign. Uh, cause at the end of the day, most of, you know, pretty much any of these Republicans who's gonna get in the field are gonna be fairly similar on things that they've done and things that they've said and positions they hold on, you know, the general Republican stuff. It, the the difference is gonna be fought in 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 what your plans for the future are. So I think that's uh, you know, the good news is I think I think it will be a relatively future facing primary. Uh talking about, yeah. you know,
1: what about Kelly Craft? Is this is this is the field full or are we still looking at more? Is it going to be a free for all? I think
0: there'll definitely be more get in. Um, I, I, I think this probably makes it less likely that Kelly gets in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I don't know that for sure. Um, if she does get in, you know, I think then it makes it uh, easier for, you know, an Alan Kick, a Savannah Maddox, of uh, somebody with either a regional base or a or a specific wing of the party base to potentially be able to slip up through the middle. But, uh, uh, you know, short of that, I would, I would expect your nominee to be one of the one of these two guys. Wow. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, obviously other moves have to, uh, occur around that cause it's, it's going to open up the attorney general slot. Uh, our friend Russell Coleman podcast listener has already declared, uh, his candidacy and, uh, another, uh, another friend of the show, frequent guest Mike Adams has expressed some interest, um, and said he, he's going to be exploring it. Uh, you know, there's a couple of other names I've heard thrown out there. I've heard Jason Nemus's name. I've heard, uh, uh, Jason Petrie, uh, you know, Whitney Westerfield. Uh, I, I think there was, yeah, I think last time there was a lot of, cons- a lot of just in my, in my mind unfounded and irrational fear of Greg Stumbo, Um, I don't think that fear is going to be there this time. I think you're going to see a a pretty healthy, healthy field competing for the, uh, for the Republican nomination for attorney general. But, uh, you know, obviously Russell Coleman, former U S district attorney, uh, for the Western district does stone his hat in the ring already.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh,
1: It is a hard one for me. This is a hard one for me. I love (laughs) Russell so dearly. He is a good friend of mine. Um, we do not share the same, um, ideological views, but and, I and he's come hard. out
0: very Trumpy he's he's he started to come out, come out looks like very Trumpy I he's, think
1: he's treaded the needle some though well but know. I think he's got it's a I think he has a
0: he has a thing out today that's like the 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 Trump Coleman plan
1: yeah you know he's it's he's I saw the video he seems very careful to not go down certain you know paths uh but he's towing right up to the line which look if i was running in your party this is what you have to do
0: yeah you have to you know yet you have to you're gonna have to get some some amount of the trump vote in order and to look, make it to a primary I, mean,
1: I, I get it like i get it i mean I'm, I'm looking in your your party and when 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 people like kim king are getting challenged from the right like i get it uh so
0: he have gone a little little batty yeah i wish
1: <laughs> wish russell the best Do you think any democrats will jump into the i mean, somebody race?
0: somebody will run i you know who i have no idea but somebody somebody will get out there jesus um some news out of frankfurt this week uh just breaking the last couple hours uh larry hayes two major pieces of the Bashir administration larry hayes uh economic economic development secretary uh and uh, jay michael brown uh, who's what's what is Jay Michael's position? Is was he executive Secret- cabinet
1: secretary? Yeah, secretary of
0: the secretary of the secretaries. Yeah. Um, uh, both uh uh retiring. Uh, I think well, I think Larry Hayes is retiring. Jay Michael Brown leaving for a post at uh at Sullivan, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I I'm just glad that Jay Michael Brown hopefully now can get time to recover from uh you know fully truly re- reflect upon the trauma of the hostage situation he was involved in at the Lexington Diner in 2007. It was traumatic for us all to watch. Um, I I hope he finds peace and comfort uh, in his time at Sullivan and away from politics. Uh, uh, Larry Hayes being replaced by Jeff Knoll, uh, who is a VP at Whirlpool. Uh, You know, Larry, I'm uh, he's, you know, he's been, I guess you could say successful. I don't know how much that lies on him, how much it lies on, uh, changes to uh, tax code and other things passed by the Republican legislature, or how much of it is, you know, recruiting by both Matt Bevin and, and uh, in the past and, and Bashir now to to get some jobs in. I will say this: he seems to me to be very good at uh, enriching people who own properties around properties that he owns. Uh, so, you know, kudos to him. I'm sure he's built himself a nice little nest egg to retire on.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, he, he was I mean, these were both, you know, Democratic Party heavyweights. Um, oh, yeah. But,
0: but both both were secretary level in the Bashir and the Steve Bashir administration.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, you know, some, some interesting phone calls I started getting yesterday, Stephanie. I still see no reporting on this. So this might be a, uh, uh, a Kentucky Politics Weekly breaking news uh, piece here. But uh, many multiple reports out of Louisville uh, confirmed that something happened. Uh, Cannot confirm the extent and the level to which it has spread, uh, to to which it spread inside the organization, but uh, I can say that at least some large grouping of uh, senior level uh, uh, people in the Charles Booker campaign apparently quit overnight, uh, either Monday night or Tuesday night. Um, It sounds to me as if this is a money related thing that Booker's just doesn't have the money left to pay his staff yes, when um, you don't
1: have any, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I, and you know, I, based on multiple conversations I've had, you know, I was trying to find out if they leave because he was hard to work with or they leave because he couldn't afford to pay him. And, and, uh, multiple people described to me and basically said, well, I think one leads to the other. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, keep an eye on the Charles Booker campaign. Uh, you know, that's not a good, that's not a good sign a week before the primary Stephanie. <laughs>
1: No, no, no. Um,
0: uh, so I would say uh, any interest that anyone would have in engaging uh, on the US Senate race this year, if you're a Democrat, uh, you might want to might want to turn your eye elsewhere for a place to invest your, invest your you money. You know,
1: I'm, I'm so disappointed in this, by the way. Like, look, I mean, I said it early on the podcast when he announced you know, I was still co-hosting with you. And I said then, like, I mean, he's not going to win. The just the the reality of the situation, Kentucky is just that. But I was really hopeful that he could really uh get some, you know, some grassroots momentum. And you know, I just don't know. It kind of just fizzled out. You
0: know, I I just I think it could never get over the fact that the campaign seemed to be more about Charles Booker than it was about Kentucky in yeah. the US Senate. It it yeah. seemed to be about Charles Booker and making Charles a a player.
1: Yeah. 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 That's unfortunate. I really was hopeful that, you know, because I think, you know, for Democrats, you know, where you're not going to win races like this right now in Kentucky, it's just not going to happen. But if you can start to you know, sell some messages, plant, you know, some seeds, um, you know, get I I was hopeful that he was going to go out into the rural areas and talk to people and and, you know, really uh, try to just make it about people. But that doesn't seem to have happened here.
0: It could have been a a real party building tool for for democrats you know even if you're not going to win somebody who's going to speak passionately about Mm -hmm. you know issues that the base cares about and get some people fighting you know maybe maybe you maybe you pull pull a you know a magistrate or or something across the finish line you know you win a couple more local local races than you would have otherwise but you know just uh, it just doesn't seem like that's gonna be the case here it seems like this thing is 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 completely doa at the moment yeah
1: yeah
0: um speaking of the primary uh Early voting starts today, Stephanie. We've already seen reports from a lot of people uh, about early voting. Uh, they seem to be pleased with the way that it's functioning. I've seen a lot of reports out, out of people voting in Jefferson County. Uh, seem to be having no problems with it. Um, so the system system seems to be working, which means you know we're, we are officially, it, it is it is primary days, I guess now. Mm-hmm. Uh, things are up, up and running. Um, you know, I'm going to be doing a couple of different TV shows next week. I'll be on Kentucky Tonight on Monday, and, and I'll be doing WTVQ's live coverage on Tuesday. Uh, you know, so I I, I want to throw out for the listeners uh, a couple of the races that I'm going to be at, at least keeping an eye on um, to watch. I'm just going to roll through them real quick. Uh, you know, we've talked about a lot of these races, whether it was it was right after filing day to go through, you know, who the candidates were, or uh, um, you know, th- throughout different podcasts kind of what's going on and, you know that to me the biggest ones to watch you got uh the 20th senate district which is uh that new seat from uh frankfurt on up to on up to to, to boone county um you got the 22nd which is the dog fight between cooper Ryder and douglas uh you got the 55th which is kim king
1: um, wait, I want to talk about that one for a second. Ta- explain to this yeah. Democrat here what the heck is going on. How does Kim King get a primary? Uh,
0: every everybody, well, first of all, that's the guy that's one of the one of the three guys who uh who filed to try to impeach Bashir.
1: Mm. So,
0: and she was on the impeachment committee and voted against impeachment, so he was mad about that and filed. Um, but now you've got, and, and I do have a problem with this, and I've got friends of mine who, who are involved in spending the money, but you have the kind of pro school choice and pro. Uh, sorry, pro uh uh charter school and pro uh scholarship uh, the the scholarship program mm-hmm. uh advocates spending a lot of money in multiple races against anybody who voted against charter schools. Um, and Kim, you know, Kim's on their list and they're they're spending a good deal of money along with a couple other he voted no, yeah, uh, charter schools, uh, and also spending against you know some some are uh, some some kind of liberty groups quote unquote the you know the the young americans for freedom type folks they're they're engaged in that race as well. It well,
1: shocked me that she voted no. I'm so confused. Your voice no, some of your party. Well, no, are- I mean there's you
0: know there's just it, it, some of the you saw a lot of a lot of struggled for a lot of rural there's a struggle to get a lot of rural republicans to vote for charter schools. Yeah you know, tra- and to me I'll be honest, to me charter schools is a the, ed- the education opportunity account is a much better path to go. We're already struggling for both public and private schools to find quality teachers to teach in these schools, trying to create new charter schools where we're going to have to find more teachers when we could just do the education opportunity accounts. And instead of have, doing a charter school, make it easier for, uh, for kids to get into already existing proven quality private schools. That seems to me to be a, a much better use of our time as conservatives to widen the educational choice for parents. I, I just you know I think there's a good I think there are great places that you can use charter schools. And I'll give you two two of my favorite uses for them Stephanie first of all uh you know obviously we we basically have a charter school in the state which is the Gatton Academy. Mm-hmm. Gifted and the talented uh great use of charter schools. I think another use that is not used as much nationwide used in some places that I think would be great in Kentucky is you could use charter schools uh specifically for uh uh, special needs kids and and set up a charter school where you can go out because when you have a charter school yeah, well, you,
1: the way it works now is most special needs kids are excluded from the charter schools
0: yeah but you know you, you can go remember one of, the, one of the great things about charter schools is you don't have to follow by the letter of the law and all the different hiring limits on who on who you can bring in so you can go out and find people who may not have that master's in teaching but may have a master's in you know dealing with special needs kids and but aren't aren't you know aren't masters in teaching and, and you can build you can build a school for the special needs kids to where you can you can put them there and they're going to get much better treatment much more attention the truly the help that they need without being a weight on both uh staff and resources uh it, it another I, th- I think that's an interesting use for it i don't know if you saw one that, that's in existence now i believe it's in alabama stephanie that's for uh gay lesbian and transgender kids have their own charter school down there where, uh, they, you know, it's kind of a, I think it's, it might even be called like safe place charter school or something like that. You know, there, so there, there are use, I think there are great opportunities to use them, uh, strategically and, 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 you know, not as a, not as a blunt instrument to, you know, to go after the public schools, but, you know, as, as a strategic use to, uh, for specific, educational constituencies beyond that. I, I just, I, I, like the education opportunity accounts. Uh, that's we're, we're way, we're way off the primary talk now. Yeah. Um, uh, right. 91, uh, another one, I think is maybe the highest likelihood to see an incumbent go down. That's, uh, uh the Bill Wesley seat down in, uh, kind of Estill County running over. I, I know, uh, I know Andy Barr and a couple other high ranking Republicans have come out publicly and endorsed his opponent. who I believe, is, I forget his name, but I don't, I believe he's a car dealer down there. Um, Let's see here. The other races I'm keeping an eye on, uh, house district eight Walker Thomas versus Larry curling, the County judge of Caldwell County. It's a new district, uh, uh, uh some new territory for Walker and the judge is, you know, pretty popular coming out of uh, the tornado recovery, uh, house district 12, you got the incumbent incumbent race, um, out there with, uh, with, uh, Beckler and Gooch, uh, House district four, I believe is, is, uh, is a, is a new seat. Um, I think I think that's the one that's the uh, that was the I think they that's where they moved the uh, oh help me here the uh, Melinda Prunty seat uh, I, I think that's that's uh, kind of the changes there so it's it's an open seat with uh, with I think there's four people in that race twenty first you got uh, Bart Rowland's seat as an open seat twenty fourth seems to have gotten gotten hot here late uh, that's Brandon Reed versus Adrian Southford's sister uh, oh boy. Yeah, that's, that sounds like it's going to be a real barn burner. Mm-hmm. Um, you got uh, House District 30, the Democrat primary with uh, Tom Birch. Uh, Tom
1: Birch, who's 90.
0: Yes. Uh, we were talking before we started recording. I don't know why. I'm not
1: ageist here, but, you know, I, like. I don't know
0: why you'd want to keep doing it. Like, you're in the minority. You can't really get anything passed. Like, why is still there? I, I just don't understand. Like Anyway. Uh, House District 30. 30- mean-
1: I had people approach me when kelly flood was stepping down because that's my district and i was like are you insane i'm not a masochist like no. why would i want to go to frankfurt and be in like an ultra minority like
0: no it's terrible
1: hard pass
0: uh house district 36 is the jerry miller open seat a very competitive uh, three-way primary has district 50 the chad mccoy open seat weird confluence of events there um creating a very very competitive race um uh the 60th south santoro i think he'll be fine he's got lots of money but he's getting beat up pretty good about gas tax proposals house district 66 ed massey taking on water for being an opponent of charter schools house district 68 the joe fisher open seat house district 69 uh, our buddy adam koenig facing a very serious primary and then house district 97 you got the uh
1: Koenig always gets attacked in primary, but he always outworks all of his opponents. He is. Run. He
0: yeah. is. He will not be outworked. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Um this nice sevens last one. That's that's the Eastern Eastern uh, incumbent versus incumbent race. Uh, McCool and uh, Norm McCormick uh, County judge races of interest. Uh, you got the uh, uh, Campbell County. Uh, Pendry's got a real race up there. Uh, open seats in Hardin County, Warren County, uh, and Nelson County. That are that are that are pretty interesting. Um, I think there's a there's a there's a competitive primary with uh, my buddy Reagan Taylor in uh, Madison County. Uh, you know, there's like something like two thousand Republicans running for magistrate across the state this year. It's insane. Uh, it is a this is a, this will be the year that that the local local governments truly swing to, to Republicans. I think there's still some democrat hanging on out out in the hinterlands, but I think this is the year that the that the fiscal courts are truly going to swing. Uh, so anyway, primaries are up. i you obviously also got the Lexington mayor's race, Louisville mayor's race, you know, two pretty big ones there. And, I mean, and, 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 we can't forget our buddy, Morgan McGarvey, uh, yes. up in the third.
1: We've got a, a, story. It was in the Herald later today about a, a, constable candidate in in Lexington who was convicted of assaulting, sexually assaulting a 14 year old. He'll likely win. Um, I believe our democratic coroner, uh he doesn't have a primary i don't know if he's running for re-election or not but oh he, yeah
0: that's that weirdo he was accused
1: of harassing uh
0: yeah well and, and the the scott county coroner just resigned overnight uh, last night for uh and pled guilty to federal charges on like conspiracy to steal guns and ammunition from the state police
1: Oh, my God, <laughs> I should have run for corner in Fayette County. I just don't think I would want to do
0: that. I, th- I think you and I should form a ticket for a soil and, and water conservation commission. <laughs> I think that's where we we'll need to you go. say that. I why do, do you want
1: to do that again. Remind me
0: because it's the stupid. Just, it's a stupid <laughs> office. And why not get your name on the ballot? Uh <laughs> Uh, Speaking of primaries, uh, Donald Trump has endorsed all of the Republican Congress people in the state, which wouldn't be a story except for one of them happens to be Thomas Massey, who he has been passed in loggerheads with, called for him to be taken out in in primary. Uh, Massey has endorsed him. In fact, one of his opponents immediately dropped out of the race upon Trump endorsing Massey. So, uh, yeah, I think that that's just one where Trump wants to rack up as many W's as he can so his record looks good and Massey's going to win by a huge margin, so uh, you know, why the heck not? Uh, I do, th- you know, I do want to talk briefly about, uh, there's a couple of different independent expenditure groups out there who are, uh, not abiding by the law, Stephanie. And, uh, one is Commonwealth conservatives. Uh, you know, one of the things you have to do is you have to, uh, you have to file a report within 48 hours of spending more than $500 in, uh, when making an independent expenditure. And, uh, this group is, is not, It's not doing that. They're also not registered anywhere that they can be found, not with the FEC, not with KRIF, uh, not as a Kentucky based corporation. Uh, You know, so how this money is, how this this group is collecting money and and spending it uh, is clearly right now being done uh, antithetical to the, to the law. Uh, Another group that we got, we, the people, of Kentucky, I'll give you a hint as to, I'll give you one guess as to what side of the, uh, the political spectrum, that group, uh, is, is standing on. We, the people of Kentucky is also not, uh, they, they, they have had a complaint filed against them, but details of the complaint have yet to be released. It says here on uh, this coming from a uh, link in KY.com. Um, uh, so there's some, there's some controversy in Northern Kentucky about how that group is collecting and spending money as well. Just a reminder to anybody out there who might want to, uh, put together a group, spend some outside money, um, there's lots of ways to do it. It's not hard, trust me. Um, but you got to follow the law. You know, it, if you if you go to fec.gov, there's a thing you fill out. You can do it online. It takes about 10 minutes to, to set yourself up as a federal super PAC. Mm-hmm. Then you got to be a a, a a state-based nonprofit corporation. Then you just whenever you spend money within 48 hours, you got to f- fill out. It's 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 not even a freaking It's a, I got one sitting here. It's a PDF to print out. There's not even an option to type, to type it in. It's a PDF. You just have to hand fill it out, scan it and send it to KREF. Like it it, it takes two minutes. Like just follow the law people, good God. You know, it's, it's, it's not hard to do. So (laughs) um, Stephanie, I know you want to talk about the formula shortage situation.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is getting crazy and scary for for a lot of families um, across the country, all stemming from this Abbott manufacturing company, which apparently uh, some people have likened it to the Boeing situation where they just they, they didn't make the improvements to their equipment and there was a failure and a recall. And, you know, that is coming. of wait, Ab- not- Abbott
0: Labs is a massive, massive yeah. multinational corporation. So it's not like like, you know. Some mom and pop shop was making this formula right. and then got recalled.
1: But I think, you know, as these things spiral, we saw it during the pandemic. I mean, it caused people to hoard. And now there really is a shortage. And and what's really difficult for people here is, you know, there's a lot of real specialty formulas for certain, you know, allergies. There's a lot of special needs kids, right? This is not just babies. Uh, formula is actually fed to a lot of special needs children, even older children, severely autistic children. Um, I just, uh, and I, and, and, and straight to hell should anybody who's trying to sell this stuff on eBay for hundreds of dollars go. Uh, and of course it's happening because it happens in all of these types of situations, but I did read there may be hope on the way, uh, um, it suggests it may have uh, FDA approval to resume operations in a week or two, but, uh, really, um, really, uh, uh, think hard about these people that are going through this situation. And, you know, I breastfed one child and loved it and it was easy. And then the second kid, uh, had issues and, you know, uh, had to be a formula fed baby, you know, uh, fed is the best you know, whether it's (laughs) breastfeeding or formula. And so I hope that this situation gets resolved really quickly. And
0: and I've seen a lot of people being like, oh, we just need to, this has to do with our tariffs and our, and our trade barriers on baby formula. And that could ease the situation a little bit. But the problem is even if you're buying it from Mexico, so much of this stuff ends up produced to start with in China and China has an extremely poor, record when it comes to baby formula. There have been multiple massive incidents of bad baby formula coming out of China. And that's, you know, I'm as big a free trader as you can possibly imagine. That's one I got a problem with because China has such a horrendous track record with their, their formulas making kids sick. It's just, to me, that's not a, that's, that's not a viable option.
1: Yeah. It's a safety concern for sure. So I don't know. I just, I am, uh, on top of everything else that new parents are going through these days to have this on top of it, you know? And I just can't imagine like single moms, you know, working moms who, you know, you don't have time to go to like 17 stores when they're out. And
0: and also also some babies, they get, they get finicky and they, they, they want, they want the formula that they, you know, you get them on one, they won't, they'll reject the others. And that's, you know, you can't do anything about it they just they don't yep. they don't know any better they want what they want <laughs>
1: just yeah it's just it's really hard i hope this gets resolved soon
0: um because the last thing i got on the list here is uh the big con came out on apple plus uh, oh my
1: gosh i it is, it, is, it
0: is the only streaming service i don't have so i have not seen it yet but i know you watched it with uh, uh one of our uh, podcast guests uh, who was also in the program <laughs>
1: Yes. Um, Scott White, uh, esteemed attorney in Lexington, uh, former, uh, used to work, a lot of Frankfurt folks would know him. He worked for Ben Chandler. He's good friends with Ben Chandler. He worked for him in the AG's office um scott is a character as many people know at one point trey you told me that uh the the, the podcast we did with scott was the most listened to
0: it's it's been passed but it it, it was it was definitely high on the list it,
1: it, he's he's a, he is a total character total lovable guy um one of our dearest and closest friends we had him so scott represented eric khan um and scott uh you know, he told us that he was going to be in this. And so we had a watch party. My kids cut out little stars and hung them all over the house with his name on it. And I broke out the popcorn machine. Um, it's a, it's a fantastic um, film. It's done by the guys that did the Mick, uh, the McMillions um, show about the people that uh, yeah I did the scam uh, on and- the,
0: the Mono- McDonald's monopoly.
1: Yes. Um, and so it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a different artistic take, right? They, they take a little bit of a more lighthearted, like add some entertainment factors to it. They really played up the, just the total weirdness of Eric Khan's personality. Um, you know, it's not lost on them, the people that are hurt. I mean, there's still hundreds of people who have not been able to get their benefits back. Um, and at the end, the you have to watch all four um, episodes. At the end, they really um, kind of dig into that a little bit and talk to some families who are, and there's just, you know, it's just completely inexcusable that the, the federal government and SSA have not rectified this situation for these families. I mean, they have a disabled woman on camera she is obviously like you know severely disabled and her family has just been struggling because she was one of these people for those who are who may not recall um eric khan and a couple of judges in eastern kentucky were running a scam they were getting uh people um uh, social security disability benefits, some of them would have qualified for it, but the process was so delayed and these judges were just rubber stamping it. And it's it's interesting, you know, and they, so there was some of like, Eric Khan justified it in his mind. Uh, at the end of it, it was fascinating because I, by the end of the show, I really wasn't convinced that Eric Khan was this bad guy that, that, that I, I mean, he is a bad guy and he broke the law, uh, I think the focus has been on Eric Kahn because he's such a colorful character. I mean, for those in Eastern Kentucky already knows him, billboards with his face were all over Eastern Kentucky. The giant Kentucky, Lincoln Monument. He had a giant Lincoln Monument uh, on his property alongside, was it 64? Yeah. And, no, no, no. Uh, was it the Parkway? Yeah, parkway. The Parkway. Parkway. Uh, and you know, I mean, he was really famous, these wild commercials, the Trump girl, like he was uh, not the Trump girl, the Obama girl. It was, he was just a wild personality. You know, he, they all sort of justified in their minds, like, well, you know, people in Eastern Kentucky deserve this money and and whatever. They didn't quite think about some of the consequences. I think some of the judges were worse than Eric Khan. I think they were the real perpetrators of this and the really, truly bad guys. And they didn't get quite the book thrown at them that um, Khan did, but Scott White uh, is in it. He was Khan's attorney. Um, the best part of this you know, series, this four part series, some people may recall, Eric Khan fled the country. To Honduras. Um, right before his sentencing. And the crazy thing is, is at the same time, like within a day or so of Eric Khan fleeing the country, my pal Scott was leaving for Nicaragua on like a, like a church mission trip. And so, you know, the feds were obviously alarmed. Clearly the two are
0: connected, right?
1: right and the feds were like clearly alarmed by this and you know scott turned over his computer and and had to be you know adamant that he was not involved in helping <laughs> eric Hon flee and i never knew the story of how he was caught you know where he was caught at,
0: at, a, at a pizza hut i believe he was
1: caught at a pizza hut in honduras well you um, want those
0: those comforts at home you know it's- <laughs>
1: Well, he was flat broke. Uh, I think he let some breadcrumbs out intentionally. He was broke and uh, he was communicating. He, he thought he was some like cyber security expert and he was communicating with his um, former business law partner. And uh, finally, well, and the, and, and the other thing I didn't know is when they busted him at the pizza hut, it was, it was their second attempt to nab him. They blew their first attempt. The, uh, the 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 ambassador and the, you know, the police, they were waiting for him to come outside. They didn't want to go in the restaurant and create some kind of an incident. Well, he slips out the back door of this restaurant and nobody was watching it. Right. <laughs> so he totally slipped through their fingers the first time. Um, you know, it, it's a really good documentary uh, series. His daughter, Eric Kahn's daughter, who is uh, an adult, a young adult, she's in it and she is just an incredibly interesting person and you feel real you feel really bad for this girl who like really loves her dad and but she's very honest um you know so and, and anybody who, who knows scott will absolutely love watching scott in this movie and i have this great picture of scott seeing himself on tv for the first time and his mouth is just like his jaws dropped. it's uh <laughs> it was a fun night last Friday, but, uh, yeah, it's a great, great show.
0: All right. Uh, we got a couple of minutes left. Uh, how was your first year of grad school?
1: Um, it was interesting. So I, I didn't start out this way, but after some attrition, um, I ended up being the by far the oldest student in the program. There's only like 15 of us um you know i have taken some interesting classes i got to learn about our uh, our intelligence community uh from um senator max wise who was who is a professor in um in the school as some people know some people don't know he was an excellent professor it was an excellent class um i never thought i would talk about um you know using sex to to spy but that's, that was a conversation. I, I took a class this past semester on wargaming um, where we literally went in and played games like Catan and Dungeons and Dragons. And um, I don't know if I learned what I thought I would learn in this class. Uh, we had to make a wargame at the end of it. it was. But
0: did you awesome. play Risk?
1: Yes. Did uh, you play ca-
0: but did you play Castle Risk?
1: We didn't. We didn't play Risk or Castle Risk. Um, the funny thing is about that Wargaming class, um, we play a game every week, and, you know, you could never really finish the games, but, um, I would say half the weeks I, I would leave after two hours of playing this game and I was completely lost. I was in this class with a bunch of like military geeks who love this gaming stuff. So half the time I was completely in the dark, the entirety of the game, not knowing what was going on. The other half of the time I won the games. So it was uh that was a bizarre experience. I uh learned more about the country of Madagascar than I ever expected to. Um but I, it's yeah. I, it's,
0: I I do know that they have uh they have like lemurs that sound like Sasha Barton Cohen there.
1: They have lemurs and they have they produce 80% of the world's vanilla and they're one of the poorest places on the planet. Um, but yeah, it was um it was it's been an interesting ride. Uh I'm excited. Uh, one more semest- semester to go. I'll be taking um, class another class with. Uh, I don't know if not, a lot of people know this, but um, uh, a former U.S. ambassador, Carrie uh, Cavanaugh, is a professor. There he used to be the director. Um, he stepped down from that position. Um, so took an ethics class with him this past semester. Taking a class another class with him this coming semester, and um, you know some really great professors. It's it's a it's a great program. Um, you know, just like anything in life, particularly in academia, there's, there's levels of BS that I I could have lived without in my life is a true story. It's also fun to go out and have a beer with your professor. It's also fun and wild to be in 2022 and your professors tweeting about getting drunk and grading your papers, um, (laughs) true story. And, uh, so, um, I, mean, yeah. I always
0: wrote mine drunk. I don't know why the professor shouldn't grade it drunk. I think I be... may
1: or may not have written a couple of are drunk this semester. I, <laughs> I, I
0: have, I have the shirt right. Drunk at it sober. Yeah, you
1: know,
0: that's <laughs> that's way to that's way to go.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, well, Stephanie, any final thoughts?
1: No, this was fun. Uh, I was glad to jump back on. Had somebody just a week ago say miss you on the podcast, and so um, so here I am.
0: all right well maybe maybe we'll get you back on a couple more times during the summer before you have to uh have to uh, go back to school
1: Let's do it poolside. My kids are old enough; I can throw them in the pool, and we can sit poolside.
0: And- there you go. We'll, we'll 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 do some uh some frozen drinks and and record uh record poolside live from the Watson Hot Tub. It's Kentucky <laughs> Politics <laughs> Weekly. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, well, as always, you can get Kentucky Politics Weekly wherever stream podcasts. If you get us on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to give us a review. And we'll be back next week uh, with another Kentucky Politics Weekly. We're we'll talking about the election, uh, so we'll see you next week.